You're listening to the Goggler Podcast with me, Uma Bahir is not with us today. Joining us instead is friend of the show, Nick Dorian. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. We're going to be reviewing Ada Hantu Dua, which is, of course, the sequel to Ada Hantu, which was one of the Disney Plus Hotstar originals that they aired when they first launched in the country. This one was directed by Hyrule Azrin, actor turned director. Of course, you know Hyrule from Pascal, from The Assistant, from the first Ada Hantu movie. This one can best be described as a middle movie because it kind of sets up what I guess would be Adahantu 3 if it gets green lit. Yes. The first yes. Adahantu movie, all three of us, Ian, Bahir, and myself, really loved it. It was a breath of fresh air. It was very surprising at the time. It was a horror comedy that was actually very clever. We didn't know what we were getting into. And as the movie unfolded, when it reached that second act and there was a flashback and a reveal, all three of us were just like, holy shit, this is very smart. We also were incredibly impressed that that was Hyrule Azrin's first film. And it felt like such a studied effort in horror. Like there are so many local horror movies and so much of it is garbage. And this one really built on the haunted house trope and did it really, really well. Yeah. And so going into Other Hunter 2, I had high expectations. And I have to say that most of them were met. We meet the same group of characters. And what I really loved about Other Hunter 2 was there was no setup. You just start, they're at the haunted house, boom, it gets going. And I think that's the best way to start a movie like this because we're already familiar with the characters. We don't need an inordinate amount of setup and we're just into the story. Yeah. And going into this, I wasn't sure if they could pull off something that was as good as the first. And while this one loses some of the originality, like I'm not as surprised as I was. And I think that's the case with most sequels. Like, you know, how Guardians of the Galaxy 2 just can't pull off the same kind of surprise as the first movie. Yeah, It loses some of that originality, but on the whole, it's an incredibly well-made movie. It does very smart things with regards to escalating the action. And I was laughing out loud throughout. I can attest to that. Yes. <laughs> now, before you get into it, Nick, I have a question. Mm. You went into this without having watched the first movie, which I think is going to be a lot of people because I'm not sure how many people had subscribed to Hotstar and I don't know how many people actually watched the first Adelanto. Now, going into it blind like that, were you at all lost? No, not at all. Like, I actually appreciated the second film more watching the first one after it. There were some things, of course, that tied back to the first film that I didn't know yet. But watching the first film, I'm like, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. But that doesn't spoil my experience if I had never seen the first film before. Okay, cool. It still it still was very much enjoyable. Adahantu 2 is more comedy than it is horror. That's for sure. There are some scary moments, but for the most part, I think it is a movie that'll make you laugh. The thing I liked about this movie, even more so than Abang Long Fadel 3, is that the humor was kind of rooted in the characters. Yes. And so as I was watching the film, having seen the first film, 
I was laughing at the jokes because I was like, oh, that's very Aleph. Like that feels mm. like what he would say. Meanwhile, Abang Long Fadil kind of went down the Rajalawat route. It was doing these old, tired jokes that we'd seen many times before. And so therefore, because it wasn't rooted in character, it felt old hat. It felt like it had been done before. Meanwhile, I was laughing along with the people in this movie. And I think that's often the best kind of humor. And what I appreciate about it as well is something that we discussed is that they all felt very comfortable with each other. Like, it all felt very natural. Like, they were all good friends. And that was actually something that I realized in the first film. Watching the second and the first, I realized in the first film, there was still, not to say stiff, but I couldn't believe them to be really good friends. Where in the second film, it's like everyone is let loose. and it's, it's a lot more natural, right? Yes, and it's a lot more fun to watch because you believe that they are having fun as well. I think the meta-ness of it works as well. There are a lot of callbacks to the first film. There are ideas which they talk about how, oh, well, you know, it's a second movie now, and so we can't use the same old tropes again. There's a little bit of self-awareness in this film as well, which is quite rare in a Malaysian production. The reason why I feel also these two films are so incredibly smart is because they've done something that's rarely seen in Malaysian cinema, which is, one, be very self-aware of themselves and the Malaysian horror genre in general, and two, be able to pull off a twist successfully. Going into both films, I didn't believe what was happening until the twist happened. Like, even watching the first film, that twist still got to me even though you had told me. But after a while, I was like, is it? Is, did Uma get this correct? Because I genuinely felt, oh, this is horror. I even wrote down in my notebook, oh, so is this Evil Dead 1 and uh, the second one is Evil Dead 2. But it wasn't. And that's why I find genius about it because this is very rare for a Malaysian film, to be honest. It's also... I guess credit where it's due, it's also Hyrule Azrin's second movie as a director. I mean, as an actor turned director and to pull something off like this in just your second film mm. is very impressive. Given how many Malaysian directors aren't able to do the same on their sixth and seventh movies or people who at least label themselves directors, but still end up making the kind of garbage that we usually want. Mm, yeah. There's an attention to detail here that is very impressive. Like, I remember watching the first movie and I was so impressed with how they kind of plotted the film. They did what every classic ghost story should do. You walk into a house, you get the lay of the land, you show people where everything is and then you kind of subvert it because there's a secret room or these people are hiding here or this corner which you didn't see has something else. And it's all very, very classic but subverted tropes. And I really enjoyed that. And even in this one, they're doing this live. So that's the big twist, right? They're live streaming their revisit to this haunted house and they've got three cameras. And of course, as they're shooting all of these three cameras, you see the time codes in the cameras in real time. You see the battery meter going down there's a real attention to detail that adds to the atmosphere of what's happening. And I like, I love that kind of stuff. And he did that with the first film as well, I realized. Because at one point, I didn't really notice. And then we got to about 15 minutes in and then there was a screenshot of one of the GoPros or something. And it said about 55 minutes or something. And I double checked. I'm like, oh shit, he did this with the first and the second film. That is really attention to detail. What I also love, again, coming back to the intelligence of it is, let's face it. I have never been the biggest fan of our local films in terms of the mainstream stuff. Let me correct you there, Nick. 
I'm very critical about both the mainstream stuff and the indie stuff because even the indie stuff tends to be so fucking self-indulgent sometimes. It's like it's like they're not sometimes. making it for an audience. They want to be antagonistic towards the audience sometimes. Yeah. So I've never been a huge fan except for certain films by certain filmmakers. <clears throat> Carol and Baha for one. <clears throat> but this, what I appreciated about it is the first film, I'm not going to get into the second film because there might be a bit of spoilers and I don't want to spoil it for anybody yet. But for the first film at least, my friend was looking at me going, hey, why the why the writing on the door? That's not Chinese. That's some scribble on the door. Hey, why are there leaves in the house? Thinking that, you know, this wasn't a properly done because let's face it, there are some Malaysian horror films that do do something like that. So to take it around and go, no, it was all planned. This is all a prank. That's why it's like this. That's why that... I thought it's brilliant. Yeah. Because absolutely. it made me believe it was a shit film and then turn around and go, nope. We know those stereotypes, we understand it, and we're pointing it out right here and now. And I thought that is genius. I had some nitpicks, for example. I think the reveal in the second film, it is different, mind you, so you're not getting the same kind of reveal. But the second act could have been a little tighter, I felt. And also, like I told you, we had some sort of TikTok references, YouTube references. I felt those could have could have narrowed it down to just maybe one or two. It felt like they tried to jam it in so much for the younger crowd at least. And you know what? The movie doesn't need it. Because the TikTok jokes and the YouTube jokes feel like they're too easy. Meanwhile, I was laughing even without that stuff. And I think that's the thing. I think they could have left that out completely and the movie would have lost nothing. It would have actually been tighter and even funnier because you just had character humor. But I say that, and then when we went for the press screening last night, I did see a number of TikTokers there. So I was like, okay, so that makes sense that they added all these TikTok references in because they know where their target market is. We're just old men learning. That's the problem. We're just like, yeah. you know, ah, young people on TikTok. Young people ah. and their trends and dances. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, we had the newspaper. <laughs> Really? The newspaper, man? Yes. Yes. That's where You're I got my trends from the newspaper. <laughs> you are not even that old. Hey, I still read the newspapers. I still waited for the the Lori Lama, newspaper Lama band to come and get all the newspapers. I'm still that age. Can I just say a sidetrack? Did Star just stop paying for comic strips? Huh? The occasional time when I pick up the Star... They're just down to like one page of comic strips and it's really lame. Like, I don't think they even have Calvin and Hobbes anymore. It's like, come on. No, I don't think they can even afford the rights anymore. Because, I mean, I'm sorry. Let's face facts. Who buys a newspaper these days? It's all online subscriptions. So, like, I don't think they got the money for it. My parents only buy it to see which Indian person is dead. So, they check the obituaries at the back. I buy it to... No, that, that's better than what I do it for. I just buy it to clean my windows. Yes, they're very good for that. Yes. <laughs> okay, digression aside. Yes. <laughs> we think it is definitely worth your time. Oh, yes. We've had a spate of Malaysian movies come out over the last couple of months. And also because there have been very few Hollywood movies out there, these movies have done particularly well for different reasons, right? But Kilao kind of targeted a very specific, somewhat racist demographic and made a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. Air Force the movie is terrible, but I guess with the lack of any other film to watch, people were just like, I need to go sit in an air-conditioned room and watch something, so I'll buy a ticket to Air Force. And so Air Force seems to be doing all right. I don't think it's making Matt Kilau money, but it's about 20 million-ish, so sure. 
That's great. Also, do you think it would have done as well if it wasn't running off the coattails of Top Gun? Probably not. I think a lot of people went to see it thinking, oh, maybe we have our Malaysian Top Gun. No, no, we don't. This is garbage. (laughs) There's Zhuang, which is a pandemic movie, which I think is doing better by virtue of not being a shit as frontliner. I think that mm. is the general <laughs> review for John. I haven't okay. seen it yet, so I can't pass judgment. And then there's Abang Long Fadel 3, which appeals to a very specific demographic as well. But I can say that I've seen it, Bahir and I have both seen it, and we can understand why that movie will do well. And I think it deserves to do well because mm. it is funny. The action sequences play out very, very well. It's just not our kind of movie. Yeah. But then again... If Abang Long Fadil is not your kind of movie, you're not going to pay money to watch it. But if it is, you're going to go and have a great time there. For me, Other Hantu 2 kind of cuts across all those quadrants. I think it appeals to a Malay crowd, but I think it does cut across those quadrants and can appeal to the Chinese and Indian audience who don't ordinarily go to see Malay movies in the cinema. Oh yeah, definitely. And so... I bring this all up and I talk about that in this wrong circular fashion just to say that if you aren't the kind of person who goes to see a Malay movie in the cinema, give this one a try because it accomplishes everything that it sets out to do and it does it very well too. And it's one of those rare Malay movies that is incredibly self-aware and pulls it off well. You will be laughing throughout this movie. And I mean, I can attest to that because... I rarely, I, I don't feel proud for saying this, but I rarely go to a Malaysian cinema to watch a Malaysian film. Like, if I do, it's because, oh, I got friends in it, or it's a friend directing. So, for me to come into, like, when you texted me saying, oh, I got a screening tonight for Other Hand to do it. To be honest, I wasn't exactly looking forward to it because looking at the trailer, I was like, oh, it's, just, it's another one of those Malaysian horror films. I know exactly what's going to happen. A Pontiana is going to turn up. And so I was already going into it with that mindset. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I really enjoyed this film, really, honestly. And I think we said it in our other Hantu 1 review. This is one of those Malaysian movies that you can support, not for the sake of supporting something local, but because it's genuinely good. Not as surprising or as great as the first movie, but still like a very solid 7 out of 10. Go check it out. Go check it out in cinemas. Meanwhile, watch the first one on Disney Plus Hotstar. It is available there if you subscribe already and you will not be disappointed. But once you do, let us know what you think. You know how to reach out to all of us. Goggler MY, all of our social media feeds. Nick is on many, many Instagram channels. You can get him on at Nick Dorian, at Geeks in Malaysia, at ClapperCons. He will actually respond to all of them. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you can also email us if you choose to do so on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.